Interoperability. Interoperable. Interoperability. Interoperable. Interoperability. Interoperability. Interoperable. Off the rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council. Welcome to Off the Rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council. As always, I am your host, Reed Lutanen, Executive Director at the U.S. Faster Payments Council. We have a special episode for you this month, a look back at the FPC's Spring Virtual Conference. I'm sure a lot of you attended the event, and for, this, and for you, this will be a good refresher on some of the things that were covered by the 50 industry leaders who spoke at the event. And for those who couldn't make it, this will be a good reminder that FPC members can access all of the content from the conference in the members area on our website. As you probably gathered from the somewhat unusual intro to this episode, interoperability emerged as a major theme, not surprisingly, during the event. So uh, I think a lot of the things you'll hear in this episode swirl around that issue and, and around that topic in various ways. Um, and certainly a lot of the discussion in the event overall and a lot of the discussion we're having at the FPC is looking at various models and approaches to interoperability and how the industry can work together to ensure ubiquitous reach for faster and instant Website. payments. So my job in this episode is to mostly get out of the way and let you hear some key takeaways, updates, and perspectives from the diverse stakeholders who are all working on advancing ubiquitous, safe, easy to use, faster payments in the United States. So let's start off with an update on instant payments. First, we'll hear from Steve Ledford of The Clearinghouse on their plans for the RTP network in 2021, and then Nick Stanescu of the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston will provide some perspectives on the FedNow pilot. Some of the things we have ahead of us uh, in the next, really in the next uh, few months, are uh, migration of more and more of the Zelle volume, Zelle-initiated payments, over to RTP Network for clearing and settlement. We have the first of those going on right now already, uh, and we expect to see more and more financial institutions and providers moving over to this immediate way of, of settling those transactions. Uh, we also we, we introduced the ability to do a request for payment. We have a small number of those being used for consumer bill payment, but we expect to see a significant ramp up between now and the end of this year of financial institutions giving their customers the ability to pay bills in this new way. Um, one of the things we're also doing, and this is seen as being a complement to the RTP network, but in the long term it'll also uh, you know, be used by other payment networks, is the ability to securely deliver documents that might be associated with payments, a way that can make sure that they've been vetted, there is a fairly standard way of doing it, and that's to make sure that whether it's an invoice, a consumer bill, remittance detail, uh, there are ways of going and getting it. One of the advantages of the ISO 20022 format that we'll be talking about a little bit more today um, is that uh, it allows you not only to include a lot of data, but it allows you to combine data. And this goes hand in hand with that. Uh, and then one of the other things that we are going to be doing uh, toward the latter part of this year is introducing tokenization, the ability to use something other than just a regular account number uh, when you're making payments. And this is you know, really to help secure payments. Maybe you have a lot of uh, 
account numbers on file, and you don't want to have to be vulnerable there. So we're going to be supporting that later on. So a lot of stuff ahead of us. Really looking forward to really working with everybody in the industry um, on uh, you know uh, helping to move instant payments, faster payments forward. We designed this pilot program quite differently and started it very early uh, in uh, in the development process to ensure that we benefit from the real-time feedback uh, from the industry as we uh, develop the service. And at the same time, we allow uh, the pilot participants to interact with our teams very, very uh, directly uh, and to, to hear from them um, firsthand uh, in terms of the various type of uh, features, functionalities, technologies, and, uh, and to get the feedback on that. So we kicked off uh, this pilot with the advisory phase um, and then we're going to move uh, into uh, into testing and then eventually into uh, production testing uh, prior to, to going live for general availability. And, and the pilot is uh, a way to make sure that uh, the, the participants do understand the FedNow service features and functionality um, before they begin the testing and closed-loop production phases of the pilot and that they understand that at a very, very deep level so they can best ready their systems for, for adoption of FedNow. So that was first Steve Ledford from the Clearinghouse and then Nick Stanescu from the Boston Federal Reserve Bank talking about their respective instant payments networks and updating everybody on what's happening there. Uh, next, we're going to hear from Elizabeth McQuarrie from Glenbrook Partners. Elizabeth and her team did a fantastic project for the FPC looking at the why behind why interoperability continues to become, be an issue uh, that rises to the top in terms of things that people are interested in talking about and in, in advancing in the payments ecosystem. So Elizabeth's going to talk about the three elements or layers of interoperability that they found in other markets as they, as they study the issue in preparation for the, uh, the project. There is no single model of interoperability that, you know, that works everywhere. Context really matters a lot. What you're trying to achieve matters a lot. Um, when we looked at interoperability and created these models, we saw that there were really three elements that were most commonly present. And though you can think of them as elements or layers, uh, there's most commonly a governance layer, you know, so where rules are set out on how things will work in the interoperability arrangement. There's often a technical uh, layer as well. So we might think of this as uh, some sort of payment rail that is present in some payment uh, interoperable ar arrangements. And then sometimes we see a shared business model among the participants. That's the least common of the three elements, but it does exist. We also had a really terrific panel discussion on the values and benefits of an interoperable independent directory service. A um, number of fantastic points being made on that panel as well. Uh, Fran Duggan from PayRails talked about the benefits of directories writ large, uh, not any specific directory, but maybe even directory of directories, but myriad benefits that Fran talked about. So let's take a listen is there value into having a directory? And it, as we've talked, it may not be a, you know, a directory. It's the directory of directories, but something that links things together that makes it easy to move money from one account to another account. You know, I, 
I've been known for saying we, we, we can make things very complicated in our industry, but at the end of the day, moving money is a debit from someplace and a credit to someplace else. If we could know when we sent a payment or when to move money that we were assured that it was going to go to the right place, that is huge. And you mentioned misapplied payments, uh, you know, payments that are lost, payments that go to the wrong place. Talk about fraud. Uh, we can't ignore uh, you know, the bad characters. And so if we had a way to control to make sure that payments could be routed correctly, and it doesn't have to be everybody shared the same directory once again, but that ability to know what you, what you could send where and having confidence that it would go to the right place, huge, just um, huge for the industry. So that's some insights on some of the values and benefits of an inter independent interoperable directory which would, I think, clearly help the industry as we look at the, the concept of interoperability, of course, uh, reaching across different networks using a directory service or various directory services can be hugely valuable. Um, and then, you know, not to make things too complicated right away, but um, we might as well just dive in on cross-border as well. I had a great panel uh, exploring various cross-border approaches, and Dave Scola uh, joined us from SWIFT to talk about their three strategies that they look at when they're talking about cross-border payments. So let's take a listen to what Dave had to say. The first is trying to work with international organizations to, to ensure that there is some level of, um, of consistency on standards um, so that when we look to hook up the, the domestic real-time payment schemes, um, to, to communicate internationally, that uh, we're all speaking the, the same language. Um, and that language is likely to be ISO 20022, we think. But I think we also need to be able to translate between 20022, 15022, or indeed some other domestic um, data standards. Um, the, the second front beyond that has been really leveraging GPI, as many of you are familiar with, GPI is, is the SWIFT scheme in the British sense of um, providing a tracker and transparency um, to a payment so that it can be tracked from end to end. Um, you can derive what the, the current status of that payment is, what the fees are associated with that payment. Um, and taking the GPI tracker and linking it to a payment that is initiated domestically um, and settled domestically through through a payment mechanism um, is really uh, it's a it's a product that we are calling GPI Instant. Um, we launched it last year. Um, we already have connectivity in a number of markets, uh, and the intention there is really to leverage again those domestic capabilities using SWIFT as a bridge between domestic um, schemes to, to uh, provide that settlement. And, and we have, in fact, seen payments settle in as little as, I think, 11 seconds is the record so far. That was payments between uh, China and Australia. Um, you know, and that is a payment that is initiated, the FX is executed, and the, the uh, sanction screening and KYC are done, right, all in that 11 seconds. Um, so that's really the, the kind of second area um, of, of focus for us. And I think the third is, and it, it's inherent in the, in the second, right, is working with um, the market infrastructures to better understand um, 
what we're trying to achieve, the standards that we're, we're trying to use, and m making sure that they are um, not only aligned with those objectives, but also making sure that, uh, that um, they are aware of the, the, the fact that you know, schemes that are oriented towards domestic payments may not necessarily have sanction screening as a, as a precept or may not necessarily have uh, KYC inherently built into the, the mechanism, that they are getting sufficient data to, to work with those existing um, expectations, right? So that we're not, we're not uh, circumventing any types of, of control. Another area that we're seeing increased focus on in the ecosystem and that we've launched a work group on here at the Faster Payments Council is financial inclusion. So how can Faster Payments products help folks who are currently unbanked or underbanked or underserved by the financial system um, get involved and get included in various payments mechanisms? Um, had a great panel led by Adam Tellum from MasterCard, but today we're going to hear from Christina Tetro from Consumer Reports Advocacy and Carlos Nodon, the CEO of Ponza Bank, who are going to talk a bit about the importance of cultural sensitivity when it comes to regulation and it comes to financial inclusion efforts. Uh, it's a pretty interesting dialogue. So here we go. But that solution has to address a real problem, it needs to be presented in a culturally relevant way. And all of this needs to be done in a way that builds trust. So I think that points very clearly to the need for um, products and services that address the issues that people had. And in the introduction, um, we heard about the use cases. And I think that um, the use cases that, that we're thinking about, when we think about the ways in which faster payments can be rolled out, you know, I think that early wage access, um, you know, of getting paid faster, right, at no fee because it's available in an instant, right, um, being able to make a bill pay payment at the very last second because that might be the time when you're getting getting paid, um, you know, and then getting that money home to family when they need it no most, and then kind of this um, another area where I think there's a huge opportunity is like insurance payouts and emergency payouts, the pandemic obviously um, an emergency, a, a very serious financial emergency for many households, but also think of the natural disasters that have happened um, and you know, being able to get real relief to people. Um, so I think all of these use cases speak to opportunities um, to really solve problems that people have. I think it's really important that people be met um, in a culturally relevant way. So you know, language, language access, um, ability access, you know, um, all sorts of things that when people imagine, when designers imagine, you know, who their customers are, that they take a really wide view of who their potential customer is and then really speak to those people in ways that, um, that faster payments can solve their problems um, as opposed to create new headaches or, or drive people further out of the banking system. Well, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. The only thing I point out is that most of the regulations that are imposed on banks are not culturally sensitive. And, and so when you open an account and you deal with banks, the banks have unfortunately been placed in an obligation to enforce laws and regulations that are not necessarily pertinent to them, but are pertinent to, to the other areas of government. And those regulations are not 
culturally sensitive. They're very intrusive and are objectionable to many um, cultures, even when they're explained in, in culturally correct settings and culturally sensitive people. And so that's part of the, the problem that you have. One thing I would respond to with that is that people want to know who to contact in order to get their money back if there's a problem. And that, I think, is relevant across cultures and something that service providers really need to do. And while a lot of focus at the conference was on the future and what's on the horizon and where are these things going and what's going to be happening in the next few years, there was also a lot of dialogue around faster payments products and smarter faster payments and things that are in the market today and things that are helping different businesses succeed. And Kelvin Leung from MasterCard participated in a panel for us and he talked about the importance of access and the importance of making these products easy for people to use, whether those people are consumers or businesses. Um, so I think it's a pretty interesting perspective. So let's take a listen to what Kelvin had to say. With everything new, in our lives, right? And, and, and the challenge is always about education or awareness uh, as well as access. I think there's a lot going on right now. I think folks are getting more and more accustomed to the idea of faster instant payment, but how do they get access to it? And it's not just about uh, 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 making it available uh, at the bank. You know, you have to uh, make the access uh, convenient and easy to use uh, giving the information that's relevant to the transaction that needs to be made at the time when the, the, the consumer or the business needs to make that payment, right? And those user experiences are very different for a consumer versus a business, right? So for instance, for consumer to make it conveniently accessible, it's got to be accessible to them at any time through any device and maybe through any app, right? So, so that's one way to think about it. And, but that may be different for, for, for a business. For a business, you got to make it available to them with the information that they need to make that payment, to receive that payment, and through the tools that they typically use to manage their business. Uh, by making, by embedding real-time payments seamlessly into the user experience is how you're going to make that access easy and convenient. And that's how we're going to uh, uh, drive adoption in the, in the marketplace. And then we also heard from Gene Nyer at U.S. Bank talking about one of the benefits that they see from faster payments in terms of merchant settlement and speeding up merchant settlement. That's one, one thing that U.S. Bank uh, has as a value proposition for their merchant uh, customers and the value of speeding up that settlement interbank in a way that allows for the merchants to receive uh, funds from their transactions instantaneously uh, can be a real benefit to both the bank and to the merchant. So let's hear what Gene had to say. What we are known for is merchant funding. Uh, U.S. Bank is one of the largest merchant acquirers, and we've, uh, and this is in public domain, of course, that we will make uh, funds available to our merchants same day or faster. And again. This is an example of something that merchants didn't have to do. It was something that we could do for them. So uh, it's smart because it doesn't require them to make any changes and it's fast. Well, that is our show for this month. Thank you so much for tuning in to Off the Rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council. Um, for those of you who are members, we thank you for your membership. We love the engagement we got from our members during this conference. Uh, lots of exciting workgroup activities launching. So if you're not involved in any of those, please get involved. Uh, if you're not an FPC member and you're out there listening to this, 
uh, I really encourage you to reach out to us and consider um, how joining this ecosystem and joining the dialogue that we have going on there can can really um, enhance your own strategy building as you're thinking about faster payments and instant payments and how it can be part of your business plan. Uh, And so with that, thank you so much. And we will be back next month with a new podcast. So looking forward to that as well. Cheers, guys.